It's the Dort Podcast. It's the Dort Podcast. Rich Keith. It's the Dort Podcast. It's the Hashtag Dort Podcast. It's a bonus episode of Hashtag Dork this week. My name is Rich Keith, and we are joined this time not by Ryan Davey, but by our resident Hashtag Dork attorney, also my sister-in-law, Nicole. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm very excited to talk about this uh, the show, this uh, exciting too. show, The Staircase. I know. Now, I'm excited. When did you first hear about it? Because you knew about it way before I ever did. Yeah. So I heard about it, I can't remember, uh, I would say 2010 or 2011, maybe a little bit later. Um, but And so it was only the first part. It was only the first, I think, eight episodes. Um, and it was all online, and I watched it way back then. Yeah, because it wasn't... Uh, so Netflix advertised it, and it was a little confusing, because it was like, oh, bonus episodes. I'm like, well, I've never even heard of this. I'm like, is this the second season? Like, what what are we doing here? But you had said that they came out earlier, and as you're watching it, you can kind of understand, because it starts all the way back in 2001. So they had something, they thought the story was pretty much done, and it wasn't. So this is spoiler-free, so for those that haven't seen it yet, we're just going to sort of let you know what it's about. Uh, essentially, you have a man in North Carolina who's a writer, and he finds his wife dead at the bottom of the stairs, hence the staircase, and then it turns into a, was it an accident or did he murder her? Right? That's pretty much the story? Yep, that's it. Did you like it? I did. Um, I liked it when I saw it, and I so I had seen it before I saw Making a Murder and mm. the Jinx. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think I recommended it, or it was my one of my pick of the pots. Oh but, shit! All right, yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Well, um, well, you're way ahead of the <laughs> game, right there. <laughs> uh, I just I didn't have time to go back and listen to make sure I'd actually done that. <laughs> no, I'll um, take your word for it. It counts. Okay, so I had seen it before those two shows, um, and I think it's not as well produced. I think as Making Murder or the Jinx, but I think it's. It's well done for what it is, and so I, I did enjoy it. I feel like they have more access in this one, in, in the sense that it's it's not one sided, and they're talking, they're they're spending time with the prosecution, they're spending time with the defense, they're spending time with the defendant, they're, def- they're spending time with his whole family, like they're telling you the whole story. Whereas making a murder, I think, did that a little bit, and you're right, it might have been a little bit better produced. It looks more like Hollywood quality, but right. I think it was really of the side that like they were trying to make him look innocent whereas this is like you're not really sure what's going on with this also the you get a very different perspective than so making a murderer let's let's be honest Stephen Avery maybe not the smartest guy going right probably right, fair right this right. guy That's Michael exactly right. Michael Peterson m- much different you know he's he's a writer he's he's very well educated and but in a similar situation where there's like a lot of evidence against him there's evidence you know where it looks like he's innocent but i thought he's a compelling character very different than both william avery and or not stephen avery and uh, robert durst very much so and i think that the other difference is this you get you get from the very beginning from from when um right after you know um his wife is found dead up until the end of the trial. And so I think it's really unique in that you it's like an up-close-and-personal look at what it's like to be on trial, what goes into um, defending yourself in a trial yeah. situation. And I don't think the other documentaries do that. And so I think this is a really sort of unique piece of uh, film because of that. I think they're all worth watching. And, it, and it, this one might be... 
Yeah, I don't know, because I got sucked into making a murder real quick, and we did an episode a long time ago. Long-time Dork fans remember that. We did that uh, when that came out. That was really good. We didn't do one on the Jinx, but I, I did enjoy that. This is this is pretty in-depth, though, and it's, it's 13 episodes. They're all between 45 and 55 minutes, so there there's a lot, but it didn't take me very long to get through it, and I can't imagine it did for you either. No, not at all. What would you it, give if you're gonna if you're gonna give it a score? We did the dork score one through six, or I guess zero through six. Knowing what it is, obviously it's hard to compare to you know Thor Ragnarok. But how would you compare it to say the other uh, you know true crime documentaries? Okay, so can I? I'm gonna break this up into two. Yeah, please. The initial one through eight or whatever six. Um, the one numbers. Through, oh, oh, one through. Oh, I thought you had the scale. No, no, one no. no. Eight, yeah, 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 yeah. I would give those probably a six. Okay. And I'd probably give the last ones a four. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, so would you give it a five altogether then? Probably. Yeah, I think I would probably give it a five. And again, I watched it all together, but there really is, not only is there a time jump, but there is just a different feeling with the later episodes. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I felt. So I don't know, is there anything else non-spoiler we can say about this? Probably not, I don't think. Yeah, just because I... I hate spoilers, and I think almost anything is a spoiler. So I, I think that's pretty much the story. If you if you like those other kind of true crime uh, documentaries, or if you like the podcast serial or things like that, you're going to be fascinated by this. There's a lot of discussion to have, but don't really want to tip you off too much. So that's that's the crux of it. It's a it's a more well to do guy, and this time, did he kill his wife or did he not? That's that's really all you need right. to know. All right, here we go. Let's spoil the spoil okay. away. Spoilers! Here come the spoilers! That's our spoiler alarm. <laughs> we have to play that. So the the first question, and before you answer the question, the question essentially is: Did Michael Peterson kill his wife, Kathleen Peterson? That's the whole premise of the entire thirteen episodes. So let's start with reasons why it was him or could be him and we could just kind of go back and forth that's it and and again we're not jurors we're watchers so this isn't just what was brought in court this is everything whether it's something shady you thought he said in an interview or if it's just hard evidence that they had on trial what would be things that would point you in the direction of why it was him well so i said this to you previously when we were talking about this he's odd he is an odd duck He's kind of narcissistic. Yes. There's something off about him. His reactions, his emotions don't seem appropriate at certain times. And he just doesn't leave you, I don't think, with a good feeling. And what was really one of them. Yeah, what was crazy to me, and I, I agree with that, was that the, early on, like the first episode, you're, they're sort of setting up what it is. And then the first thing you get is like an interview with him in his house. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that the guy that they think? killed his wife and we're just like straight up talking to him in his house and like that's not his fault but just the way the way he was going about it and he was walking you through it and i'm like god i mean i i've never even imagined to put myself in that situation i don't know what kind of things i would say or what i would do but i think there are a few that i wouldn't say like for so one thing that jumped out to me was uh they're they're all going through like the nights of the or the uh you know the events that happened that night and his two adopted daughters martha and margaret they got home and i believe they said the first thing their dad said to him was it wasn't me right which the, i would not say that i'd be like your mom fell down the stairs like if that's what happened and i'd be like your mom had an accident i would never even think that they thought it was me exactly and then the one son the older son todd when he showed he was there before the police 
there are so many things that's about that's really that sketchy night. and that makes Todd and I don't want to implicate anybody but just Todd Todd's also odd and I mean a large part is because that's his dad but he was there very early and I'm like that's an eyebrow raise for me right and I had um so I, I went um full disclosure I, I told you I watched the forensic files after this I yeah. wanted to see what else very nice um and I, Todd was originally almost a suspect I'm telling you, I I thought he like afterwards, and again we're kind of jumping around, but it's either accident, right. it's either Michael Peterson did it. We have another theory that we can introduce that's making the rounds around the internet right now, and then you're like, all right, well, if it was an intruder, which is something that the defense brought up momentarily, and then they kind of dismissed it, but if it was an intruder, just or even an intruder or just another person, I don't know. I think Todd kind of stinks. Like I don't know if I feel great that it wasn't him. Exactly, or he was at least there. After, like he knows more yes. than he was letting on, and he refused to be interviewed by the police the entire time. So he was never interviewed, Ooh. which is so highly suspect. That is suspect. Uh, I also thought all the blood, like I know they went through it, and forensics was a huge part of it, and the blood splatter, and you have some people on the stand that are, just, you know, making stuff up. Others are more compelling. Like there's a lot going on there, and I guess they can sort of tie it up. But what do you just think of somebody falling down the stairs? And this is very graphic. Like, this is, they show you, you literally see Kathleen's body with the police cam. They show you that footage, which is pretty, like, that's in the first or second episode. You're like, oh my God, yeah. like, this is, it's, this is intense. It is an up and close look yeah. at a crime and the trial afterwards. Um, there was a lot of blood. I, I don't understand. I mean, I've never fallen down the stairs like that. And it's, it was everywhere. Very tragic, obviously, but yeah. I don't understand all of the different wounds on her head. It makes, absolutely no sense to me i don't understand how she hit her head that many times that hard from a fall yeah and like right like the pattern uh and and that's a big part of the trial is obviously in you know looking at the mars so she didn't have skull fractures so they kept going on the defense team was like well see she wasn't like blood she couldn't have been bludgeoned to death in like a in a in a you know fit of passion or whatever and you're like yeah I don't know. Maybe she still could have been like. So you're convinced she fell down the stairs with those? Like they don't look like right. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. That didn't seem to help anybody. No, it did not. Well, the whole it, it was, the whole blow poke thing drove me nuts. I don't understand that. I don't understand why they just they they saw it was missing and then became convinced. This I'm talking about the prosecution. Yeah. They 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 searched the house. They saw that a blow poke had been in one picture and it wasn't there, and they just automatically assumed that that was the weapon. Like I've seen a lot of TV and movies, and I've uh, you know followed a handful of uh, you know national court cases. I've never seen them say this isn't the murder weapon, but it something like this. Like what? Like you, right? Like, and we're going to let ourselves yeah. to this, right? Like it's got to be something exactly like this. And they're like holding it in front of the jury. They're like, you see this right here? Well, this isn't it. But but something that is like a brother of this is what did it. And you're like, yeah, maybe, but where is it? And then they find it later on, and that was the, that the whole thing was just very strange. It was very strange. It was very, very strange. All right, what it, else? What else makes it look like it was him? The affairs. So, so for me, it wasn't so much that he was um, bisexual. Yeah. It was that he was actively seeking out to have affairs outside of his marriage, and if she had found out about that, that could have been something that led to a, a drunken fight because they were both 
intoxicated. They weren't like a, a lot intoxicated. It was like she, she was, was like 0. 0.07. 07. Yeah. What was he? Do, do you know? I don't know if they I, ever tested him. And then she had some Valium in her system, and so, and it was two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. Um, and one of the episodes, I, I can't remember if it was the staircase or the forensic files. She had gone up. She had sent an email at midnight. I, I think they cover this in the staircase. And so his timeline is off. And his, she was using yeah. his computer because she had left hers at work. And so she could have found something on his computer, come down, confronted him, and they'd gotten into an altercation, which I think it makes a lot more sense than, like, falling down the stairs. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't see the falling down the stairs. But then, but then I'm surprised the defense team never even, they're like, all right, if you think that the wounds are from stairs, like, why didn't he push her down the stairs? Like, couldn't that right. also have been? Like, and that never really got brought up, or at least not no. nearly enough. But I'm with you. No. The timeline's strange. They also, they take him at his word that they're at the pool, and they run that ridiculous scenario where they have the taped lady screaming for help. I'm like, yes. this is so dumb. And I'm like, first of all, it's his word that he was outside. And they're like, see, he couldn't have hurt her. Like, well, he might not have been outside. Right. And the other thing, too, is it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Granted, they were in North Carolina, but it was December. And the average temperature, I think, is like 55 yeah. degrees. Oh, that's a good point, too. That's that's weird. I also... what. So, and he had in shorts and a T-shirt on. What are you doing outside at two o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I don't know. And then like EMTs got there and they said every the, all the blood was really dry. And so we heard the nine one one calls and he has a couple of them and he's freaking out. But you wonder how quickly he did that if they get there and the blood is dry. Another thing that was odd that jumped out to me is as he because obviously when the police get there they look at the scene and they have video evidence and everything and when he's doing that interview when we first see him and he's walking around his house and he goes into the family room and this is an odd thing and maybe this isn't for everybody but I I picked up on this he said that they were eating dinner there and then they just left they left the uh the plates in the family room and then they got up and went outside if you have a dog which I do and he does you don't right. leave your food. You can't leave your plates like in the family room, or the dog's just going to lick them clean. Right. So I'm like, I, just, I think what happened was there could have been an argument, and the plates were still there. Then perhaps he murdered her, and then by and he obviously isn't going to go clean up the plates. So then when the police come, he has to put that as part of his story that the plates were still there. Right. It doesn't make a lot of not, a lot of what he says doesn't make a lot of sense. And also going and back, also, why wouldn't yeah. you just pick them up? Even yeah. if you didn't have a dog. Yeah, right. I mean, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. He doesn't work. You're just going to leave the plates? Yeah, I don't know. And then, So going back to the, the bisexual part, which was a big kind of breakthrough for the defense, that came out in, I don't know if it was the second episode or not, but that was sort of, because like each episode early on kind of gave you something else, like what was going on. And so the, the bisexual part of it was he was very ambiguous as far as how much Kathleen knew. And right. then in the later episodes, he pretty much comes clean and is like, she didn't know. No, she didn't. She I mean, didn't know at all. And he was like, well, she was aware of it. Like, well, what do you mean aware of it? Like, she, there's an understanding. Like, there, no, there wasn't. Like, there, cle- no. there, there definitely wasn't. That's something that he, he lied about. And we already know he's a liar because right. this is a guy who was in Vietnam and then he got injured and he was like, oh, it was a war injury. Like, no, it wasn't. Right. So and he claimed he had bad. a Purple Heart. Ugh. and he, li- he, he Didn't he run for mayor and lie about having a Purple Heart? Yes. Yeah, he ran for mayor and he lied about, I think, the injury and then maybe also a Purple Heart. So that's the wor- to me, the worst part is lying about what happened in the war to him. Like, that's horrible. Right. Like, yeah, you're right. Him being bisexual, who cares? But the fact that his wife 
didn't know about it. That's clearly a motive for a big argument and then something else to happen. And they clearly had an image that they wanted to present to people. Yeah, and that's, that's the uh, yeah, other got, thing that I find a little fishy. Yeah. No couple that you're friends with are perfect. No, trust me. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't, everybody, everybody had this sort of like Tony, oh, they were perfect. They were the, the loves of each other's lives. They laughed all the time. Their family blended so perfectly. Everybody called her mom, even though they already had one. Like, th- well, there were so many things that I was like, this. I think it can't be that perfect. It, with that many kids all around the same age, all living in the same house, it can't be that perfect. And when uh, I think it was Margaret or Martha was talking about it early on, the youngest one, and she was saying how, how beautiful their relationship is. I was like, that's weird. Like, I, it's I would, weird. Who would, exp- who would describe their parents? Well, I don't know. Maybe some people would. I wouldn't, but that's, <laughs> some people would. Maybe that's just more about me than about them. I don't know. The other thing and, that was pretty crazy, Nicole, was so it was like the first episode you get interested in the, the, what's going on. Then they're like, "Oh, he's bisexual." You're like, "Oh, there's another element to it." And then, how about when he was living in Germany, and his friend and the mother of Margaret and Martha was also found dead at the bottom yes. of a staircase? Yes, that's insane. That's insane. And even backing up a step further. The way his relationship with that woman was strange. Which woman? Oh, 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 the woman uh, that died. Yeah, uh, Ratliff. Ratliff. Yeah, Rat- Ratliff. Ratliff. Yeah, Ratliff. Ratliff, right? Yes. Um, it was like her husband died, and he just stepped in and became a surrogate father and husband to this family, even though his wife and children were living next door. Yeah, pretty. Right? Yeah, like, that's what it seemed night, like, yeah. The night she died, he was at her house, tucking in her children. Yeah, it was very And his strange. wife and her, their two children went home. I mean, I just don't think that, I mean, that just seemed so odd to me. And then the other thing, this is a really small point, but when he was walking around the kitchen and pulling out glasses and showing Martha and Margaret the stuff that belonged to their mother. Yeah. And how she used to collect these pieces and he was with her when she was collecting these pieces. Oh, and they had a, they had quite a relationship. I just couldn't figure out. Um, See, I don't think he killed her, though. Do you? The the first one? Yeah, I don't. I think what happened was he saw that she was dead, and she because remember she had all kinds of like brain. She had like a brain aneurysm, or she had like brain issues, right? Or was it brain or heart? Right. She had something, and I think she died there, and I think. He saw, okay, they saw, they came, like, oh, stairs, like, stairs, like, stairs could kill him. And I think he used that for Kathleen. Oh, that's interesting. I think he was, like, sort of, not motivated necessarily, but, or inspired, whatever word you want to, whatever you want to put on it. I think he saw that and was like, oh, like, they didn't ask any questions. There was no criminal case or anything. And, like, they, they took, hey, people fall down the stairs. So I, that's what I think happened. I just wonder if they had an affair. Those and two? Oh, it might not even have been an affair. It might have been. It might, everybody might have known about it. Oh, I because the other the other wife there, the ex-wife who popped up a few times. I don't even think she likes him at all. Maybe never did. <laughs> she is the strangest of them all. She is bizarre. She's one of those people that you meet that they 
it seems like they're they're living on a different planet in the a sense completely that completely different planet. Just like they like they couldn't relate to anything. Like she's probably never ever seen like a sports game. She's never seen like a like a movie that's not like a really serious documentary or like an old French film. Like she's just speaks with these huge words. Like you're like and, you're, you're not from here. And she speaks in the third person. Yeah, about, she's strange. Like. You know, when she's speaking in their sense, well, you probably feel this. And you're like, what are you? It was crazy. Yeah. She and was, all the kids, and the kids, when he, when they got divorced, they all moved to America with him, and she stayed in Germany. The whole thing was odd. So, so maybe you're right. Maybe it wasn't, maybe the affair he was having with that woman, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was known. Um, I just wonder if, I mean, she did have, she was wealthy, Margaret and Martha's mother was yeah. very wealthy. Yeah. And he got a lot of money. I also thought it was odd that she left the kids to him. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, at, initially it was to both of them, like, right? Right, and then they got a divorce, and then the kids ended up going with him, and then Kathleen. Right. So they, it was actually really helpful that one scene with the uh, defense attorney. Uh, which one was it? Not the main guy, uh, Ron. The, the, Ron, the guy with like the mustache and like the yes. longer hair. Yep. Him and one, and one of the other people did like a whole, almost like a family tree one episode. That was right. really helpful. Like they're like pinning the names, like they lived here and then they moved over here and then they moved over here. And then you see how the, all of a sudden the family is enormous, but they're all, you know, you got one biological kid here, two adopted kids here, two like, you know, half brother, whatever it is. So it was like, that made sense. That was helpful. Uh, two other quick things for me that reasons why you may have done it. Well, you could probably talk yourself into either way with the 911 calls, but they were kind of. It's always, it's always. They were over the top. I felt like he was acting the whole time. Yeah, and, and he did two different ones, and they were different. Right, and he gave this interview right after he was um, coming out of court one day, like right in the very beginning, where he makes this statement where he says, "I've said um, Kathleen's name a million times on my heart." Or yeah, something. yeah, that was a that was that and was. And you're just like what. What? Yeah. <laughs> you just, you, yeah, like you just got accused of killing your wife. He you, also had a, he also had a weird thing at the end where he was talking about, and I think he was referring to being bisexual or gay or whatever at the end. And he said something about, you know, when you can get away with something for so long and like nobody knows about it. But all I was thinking about was like, are you, you're talking about murdering somebody. Right. <laughs> like that's what right. it that seems like you're borderline confessing. But I don't know. I honestly, I did go back and forth. Like, early on, I thought he definitely did it. Then there was, like, a middle part where I'm like, you know what? Maybe he didn't. And then by the end, I kind of... So, all right, before we answer that, though... Okay. Do you have any reasons why it wasn't him or couldn't have been him? Because it... When I I was making this list, I was like, I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure how I feel. And then I had so many more for why it was than why it wasn't. But why it wasn't, I don't know. The the stairway was really narrow. Like, that was was a crap stairway, right? Right. And the ceremony was narrow. She had volume in her system. She had been drinking. Right, yeah, that's um, it. I, I think that they never identified a, a murder weapon, and I think the injuries were strange and that she had all these blows to her head but no hairline fractures. Yeah, very, no, very like, strange. No, very strange. And so, and the blood spatter, there was no cast off up high. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but, so, yeah, I don't know. I they, they were so focused on like these death blows with an instrument. I'm like, well, why couldn't he have like 
choked her or like hit her and then threw her down the stairs or something. Like I don't they didn't they didn't go to that. They were like, Well, if there's no weapon and, and it didn't fracture her skull, then it couldn't have been a person. And you're like, Well, I don't know. I think it could have been. It could have been, right? And so yeah. Um the blood yeah, the blood spider was strange. I just think that we never really they were never able to really answer why. Yeah, I think the I think her finding out that he was having gay affairs would be the most likely reason, and then her maybe threatening to leave him or threatening to tell people or threat. You know, who knows? Like I don't want to say what right. she was up to, but something like that, and then he snapped. And he does seem like a guy. It was also a little bit of a breakthrough. Not that I think it's the end of the world that parents like spank their kids. Like that happened all the time. Trust me. But for it was kind of revealing when they were like, you know, did. Uh, they asked his sons, they're like, did he ever hit you? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, cause they, they painted him out to be like this really nonviolent guy at first. And then you're like, well, he was in the war. Like he hit his kids and you're like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe there's and, a little bit of a violent streak to him. And he's a narcissist. He Everything really is. was about him. I mean, even through this entire filming, you could see he kind of got off on like the fact that he felt like, like being the center of attention. I mean, the way he, I oh mean, my the God. way he had, him smoking his pipe, I was oh like, "You're like you're a you're a TV character now. You're a movie character. This is ridiculous." Yeah. and he and he felt like he was right. And then with the two girls, um, the two adopted daughters, they're sort of in like infatuation with him. Mm-hmm. It was weird. I think he. I mean, just that his personality required that. And these were two girls that had been traumatized by the death of their parents, and he takes them in with this like savior like complex that I. That it, it appears they they kept the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, no, seriously. And then I guess the other reason would be like in this case anyway. It's not like he got like a lot of money. Like there was not like you know, it's not like she had all the money. And like you know, other cases where we've seen you know a husband no, or a wife did. killing. Wait, she did. She, so this is what they kind of left out was oh. that they were having some financial problems because her company's stock had gone down, Never and mind. Michael had not worked for two and a half years. And she was the sole breadwinner. Oh, never mind. And she had a one and a half million dollar life insurance policy in her name. Okay, so was it? They mentioned that, or did I just miss that? I, I don't. I'm having trouble because of where I saw it, but I'm okay. pretty sure they did. The the prosecution mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, the life insurance policy, whether or not they mentioned that he hadn't Got worked it. for two years. And the other thing um, that I saw on the internet. Can I say that now? Is that t- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have at yeah, okay. it. Okay. Is that Michael Peterson ended up dating one of the producers on The Staircase. Really? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, boy or girl? Girl. Oh, interesting. Yep. Well, now let me introduce this for the other reasons why he didn't do it. This is what's been making the rounds uh, recently. And it actually it came out a while ago, but now after everybody has seen the documentary, something that is left out entirely from the documentary is the owl theory. Mm-hmm. The owl theory, and allow me to read some from uh, wikipedia.org. In sure. late 2009, there was a new theory in the Kathleen Peterson's death that was raised that she had been attacked by an owl outside, fallen after rushing inside, and had been knocked unconscious after hitting her head on the first tread of the stairs. The owl theory was raised by Durham attorney 
T. Lawrence Pollard, a neighbor of the Petersons who was not involved in the case but had been following the public details. He approached the police suggesting an owl might have been responsible for the reading that the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation evidence list and finding a feather listed. Peterson's attorneys had determined that the uh, SBI crime lab report listed a microscopic owl feather and a wooden sliver from a tree limb entangled in a clump of hair that had been pulled out by the roots found clutched in Kathleen's left hand. A reexamination of the hair in September 2008 had found two microscopic owl feathers. That's pretty insane, but I kind of, I'm kind of in on the owl theory. You think she was attacked by an owl? I think there's a good chance. Although I don't think so. Pollard did not speak of the theory to anyone else, the Durham Herald Sun newspaper published an article ridiculing him and discrediting his theory. Other media picked it up, um, which later criticized as inaccurate. Advocates of this theory assert that other evidence supports it, namely the scalp wounds were trilobed and paired, consistent with marks left by talons. The feathers are similar to those on owl feet. Cedar needles were found on her head and body, indicating Kathleen had fallen over outside shortly after before entering the house, that her blood had spattered up the staircase rather than down, that her footprints in her own blood indicated that she was already bleeding before she reached the foot of the stairs, and that two drops of her blood were found outside of the house on the front walkway, along with a finger smear on the front door consistent with her pushing the door shut. Advocates also note that owl attacks on people are common in that area, with one victim stating that the impact was similar to being hit in the head with a baseball bat. You're still not buying it? No. According to Pollard, had a jury been presented with this evidence, it would have materially affected their deliberation and therefore would have materially affected their ultimate verdict. Prosecutors have ridiculed the claim, and Dr. Deborah Radish, who we see in the film, who conducted uh-huh. Kathleen Peterson's autopsy, autopsy, says it's unlikely that an owl or any other bird could have made wounds as deep as those on her scalp. However, Dr. Radish's opinion was challenged by other experts in three separate affidavits filed in 2010. Dr. Alan Van Norman wrote, quote, The multiple wounds present suggest to me that an owl and Miss Peterson somehow became entangled. Perhaps the owl got tangled in her hair, or perhaps she grabbed the owl's foot. Dr. Patrick T. Reddig, a professor of veterinary medicine at the University of Minnesota, wrote, quote, In my professional opinion, the uh, hypothesized attack to the face and back of the head resulting in the various punctures and lacerations visible in the autopsy photographs is entirely within the behavioral repertoire of large owls. Yeah, but nothing. Like if, an, if she had been outside, okay, say she, and screamed, right? Why didn't Michael Peterson hear her? I guess. Uh, I, I mean, an owl comes at your head. You're not silent. You've kind of poked holes in the owl theory. If it was an owl, why didn't Michael Peterson say it was an owl? I mean, and like she would have been screaming. Or, I mean, anybody who gets dive bombed by a bird yells out. I mean, maybe maybe not everybody. I mean, we probably can't prove that in scientifically, but. Maybe Michael wasn't home. Maybe he was having a gay love affair, and he came home, and she was dead. And rather, and then he had to, he had to present the story because at the, at that time he was trying to hide the fact that he was out having an affair. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I can't I, believe I you're writing off the owl theory. Yeah, I just don't think she was attacked by an owl. I, I do think it's strange that she had a clump <laughs> of her own hair in her hand. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. And an owl she feather. 
she also had uh, thyroid cartilage damage, hmm. which is consistent with strangulation. Yeah, that, they didn't really go with that either. It was all about like bludgeoning on the head. And I was like, well, what about strangulation? What about push down the stairs? But they kind of left that out. And again, I'm surprised. Maybe they think the owl theory is so stupid. But the owl theory was presented. We gave you the dates there sort of in between filming because they, they filmed, you know, 01, 02, 03, whatever. It was 04 for the early episodes. Then they came back. And so it was while they weren't filming. But they didn't even they didn't even bring it up. But what are you going to do? Right. All right, so yeah. we're, we're we're both kind of leaning towards Michael Peterson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I walking through everything and all the strange when you add up the affairs, the fact that he was actively trying to have an affair like around the time And you read died. you found those emails to to Brad. Oh my god, yes. That was very graphic, very intense and very confident. Very confident in his abilities. Yeah. Um <laughs> And and very confident with sharing that confidence. Oh sure, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of detail in there. Lots. Uh, she so okay. So if his wife found them, yeah, she'd be. Ma- I, I don't would know think I, so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I just can't imagine that she would not. She had a couple glasses of wine. You're hanging out. You're stressed out from work. You go upstairs to do an email, and suddenly you find these emails from your husband to a male escort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had clearly done that before. Well, then what's crazy is there was that other guy that he had slept with and the defense got a hold of him and they were like, yeah, he said you guys like, you guys like hooked up or whatever. And Michael's like, he did. He like, <laughs> his voice gets so high. Like he, like as the season was going on or the season, as the series was going on, I felt like his voice got higher and higher. But then it was really more just like when he was presented with something, his voice would get like ten octaves higher. He was like, "What? You got to be believe shitting that. me!" And you're exactly. like, "Exactly." But you did, like, right. the guy told the truth. And so, are you lying about this now? Like, he does. He bends the truth a lot, or just straight up lies a good amount, right? So, and I yeah. think if as a narcissist, he can justify anything to himself. But I was still pretty surprised by the verdict just because based off of everything we saw in court so like the court they don't have the advantage of seeing the weird interviews that he does and like really they didn't hear from him at all in fact like he didn't take the stand so you don't hear him and get the sense like the first thing we said is he's odd they don't know that they have no idea they just hear what what people are saying up there i'm sure especially in north carolina they hear about the bisexual stuff and they're a little like uh, they're probably more turned off about it than than others would be Particularly but, in 2001. Yeah, that's also true. Uh, oh no! By the way, how like some of the jokes that the defense attorneys were making? Oh, I'm, terrible! I'm like, I mean, th- you can't do that. Certainly in 2018, like they were like right in front of Michael Peterson too, and like Michael Peterson's brother, and they're like laughing about it. Remember, like, yeah, Rudolph was like pretty crass in a bunch of scenes because he was like, "Oh, like what? What would they need to do? Like whose dick would they need to suck?" And then they're like, "Oh, what are you a swallower?" I'm like, "What? What are you doing? Like this, this isn't this isn't right?" right? So I, I also, and back to the trial, I, I also think to that point, if he were tried again today, mm-hmm. I don't know that a, a judge would always allow in the evidence of the murder in Germany or the um, 
some of the homosexual uh, evidence. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, Judge Orlando Brown or Orlando Hudson was there for the entire thing, which is pretty funny to see as as he aged. As with the, you know, some of the other DAs were swapped out, but the judge remained the same. And Orlando Hudson even said at the end. Yeah, like they probably shouldn't have included the Germany stuff or most of, if not all, of the bisexual stuff. And if that was the case, he definitely would have been found not guilty. Right. Because that stuff was just too hard, like too much of a coincidence, the double stairway deaths. And yep. then again, the, we've said what we said about the bisexual stuff. But even with all of that, I didn't know. They definitely didn't prove him innocent, but again, that's not the job. They just have to prove that he's not guilty, and I kind of thought they did. I, I agree, and I think you know this kind of goes back to what we were t- like the, the conversation we had around making a murderer is what does it mean um, to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? Right. And I definitely think, even though I think he did it, I, I don't see, I don't, I can't say beyond a reasonable doubt that he did it. Yeah, I definitely couldn't have. Again, without watching the documentary, we have so much other footage that we get to see that we get to make our own opinions. But if I was on that jury, just ba- and the access, like they were in the courtroom the entire time, like you saw right. everything, and so that was, um, I was, I was surprised by it. Now the closing ar- arguments by uh, Harden. So Jim Harden was the DA. He talked yep. so slow and so soft, like the entire time. He said, "If the if a picture is worth a thousand words, he said that like three times." And he's like, "And mm-hmm. if these walls could talk, I'm like, or are you just getting cliches? Like, what what yeah. are you doing? What?" Is-? And then he had well, like, you know, like you, a PowerPoint. You, I'm like, this guy is brutal. So I think one of the things they tell you is you want to have a theme. Yeah. Oh, he and, had a theme, all right? And you want to hammer it in. Yeah. He hammered over it home. and over and over again because that's what you want the jury to remember. But it was like he was talking to five-year-olds. I was like, yeah. okay, we're dealing with a murder case here, Jim. Feel free to mix in uh, a little something different. Uh, no, And he didn't have the PowerPoint. Uh, David Rudolph had the PowerPoint, which I was surprised was even like allowed. Oh, uh, no, you can do demonstratives. Interesting. And, and you can create your own um, demonstratives and you can in and your own exhibits. I feel like that would be helpful for everybody involved because you can see it. And then it's easier, both for the attorney, but also for the jury. I feel like it's yes. not a bad idea. Because you're trying to, I mean, you've got 12 people who don't want to be there. Correct. Who don't understand the law. I mean, to be honest, they don't have sort of the same nuanced understanding that you do. And a lot of the deliberations and a lot of the evidence presented is very technical. And so you need to you need to present it in a way that it they yeah. understand it and that it, it they remember it. And, and for me, um, as an attorney, what the most stressful part of the entire series was the night before the trial when he's trying to work out the technology the technology in his presentation with the guy who's operating the oh my god stressful for you the most enjoyable for me i was laughing out loud he was getting so mad at that guy that was the best scene of the whole thing i thought and you can just feel it right he knows he's got to go to court tomorrow you're always nervous before you you go into court and it's always a stressful situation and you have it in your mind how you want it to present it and this guy is just not on the same page his phone kept ringing his phone kept (laughs) ringing and he's just like like multiple times and then he's like yeah i i I screwed up and he's like and then he's getting so mad at him and then he has like the wrong slide he's like yeah there's just one out of order and then he has that little bar in the thing he's like can you get rid of that bar he's like well yeah not right now i can't but i I can get rid of it and he's just right i was like this guy's incompetent incompetent and then you know you've got to go into court and expect and hope that he does a decent job and that kind of those kind of screw-ups yeah 
impact the jury. They stop listening. They only focus on. Oh, definitely. The fact that oh, I would be right. I'd be staring at those bars. I'd be like, "What? Are, what are you doing? Like, oh, this oh, one's out of out of frame. Me, like that." It like kind of gives me anxiety to think about. Oh, I bet. Now, so speaking of the jury, uh, it took them five days, and then they all ultimately reached the guilty verdict. I've never seen this before, and again, just from court TV and movies, but. They said, like, how do you find him? They said, we found him guilty. And then the judge went through every single one of them to make sure they didn't change their mind. Is that normal? You can ask to have the jury pulled. Okay, because they did that. There's, like, juror number one. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to do all 12 of these guys? Yep. All right. So that was was interesting. Uh, Now, the Alfred plea, is that only in North Carolina? No. That's everywhere? Yeah. I've never heard of that because I've heard of people – uh, saying like uh, you know admitting guilt just so they know they can get a lesser sentence but i didn't know about the alfred plea yeah there's a couple different pleas i think you can take i mean i'm not i'm not a criminal attorney so um i'm not as well versed on that but um yeah because an alfred plea is you're not admitting guilt but you're saying that there's enough evidence to convict you so you're going to plead to avoid a trial hmm. okay uh so michael peterson ultimately gets 8 years in prison then he gets out, and he's basically on house arrest for two and a half years. And right now, he's free. Now he also now I know he was in prison, and I know he was an older guy to begin with. But he aged like a president; like he was so yeah. old by the end. Like he couldn't walk he upstairs was. comfortably. Like he was a mess. He was a mess. Um, he was a mess. What else we got? So, so anything else on any of the characters? So we have Michael Peterson. We've said a lot about him, obviously. Kathleen Peterson. Oh, a little uh, trivia. They they were watching American Sweethearts was the last movie they were watching. That's what he said in episode oh. one. Interesting. Todd Peterson was definitely odd. Clayton Peterson seemed a little bit more normal. He was the one with the wife and the kids. Right. Uh, Martha and Margaret, we already hit on them about how they really, they were completely on board with their dad. They, they, they thought he was innocent the entire time. Uh, right. Caitlin, we haven't mentioned her at all. Caitlin Atwater, yeah. who is Kathleen's biological daughter, she was on record very early on saying her dad was innocent, and then she switched, and then she was on the other side and sat on the DA side the rest of the way. Right. That was that was kind of sad. I mean, it was the fa- that you know she split from the people that you know were her family, but I think right she decided to sw- or switched her position when she saw the autopsy photos and found out about Michael's affairs. Yeah, I th- she had no idea about the bisexual stuff, so I think that kind of shook her. So then she said, the, yeah, the, the, the person I knew couldn't have killed her, but I don't right. know him. And like, I think that exactly. was pretty powerful. And then yep. her aunts, Kathleen's sisters. They were kind of a lot. My goodness. Now, I'm just surprised. And again, they know him better than certainly we do, and even based off of the uh, documentary that we saw. But they were like right away adamant that it was him, like 100% it was him. And I was like, hmm, that is, especially Candace. I mean, Candace was aggressive when she was coming after everybody. She was, but it was like, it was, it was, it was probably much too much. But she was, she was, uh, she was sure that it was him. Right. So I thought it was a lot. I thought it was a lot um, at, at the end, um, at his, at, at the end of the, the final episodes where she got up and gave a statement and was just like screaming at Rudolph. And he, I mean, Rudolph was hired to do a job and he, right. he did his job, right? Correct. The thing I, but then I thought about it, if it had been my sister. Yeah. You might've done the same thing. Yes. Or are you implying that if I did that to your sister, is that what you're saying? Or your other sister? I would hunt you down. <laughs> I would probably kill you myself. Like I would hire so, David Rudolph, and I would go to prison get, for eight years, and oh, there would be yeah. an owl theory, and then I would get out. 
Exactly. And if you got out, I would probably get, get arrested for like stalking you and making your life a living hell. Most likely. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when I thought about it in those terms, I can see her behavior makes more sense to me. Yeah, it does. But I was just surprised like and early on in the process, too, was like there was no doubt in her mind that it was him. And you're like, well, right. All right, so right. they obviously didn't have a very good relationship. Like, she would have... I, I assume with you, if, God forbid, something ever happened, you'd be like, yeah, it was probably an accident. Like, that would be the first thought. And then right. and then you find out that I have all these emails trying to hook up with these escorts and the Marines. And you'd be like, all right, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold the right. phone. Exactly. Uh, so... And, you know, and then you start to add up the pieces and, yeah. Yeah, like, there's no owls out there. It couldn't have been you. <laughs> uh, Bill Peterson is Michael's brother. and I guess, So he's also an attorney because he was sitting in on a lot of the different stuff. He seems so more... So he was way more normal, Way right? more normal. Like, a whole different person than Michael. Yeah. But so, now, he was so present for the first... I mean, right up through the trial, through the, the verdict, the guilty verdict. And then for the later episodes, you see the other brother, but... He didn't come back. I don't, yeah, we don't. We didn't see. We didn't see him or Todd in the later episodes. No, I thought that was. In, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, because you wonder how, what what their relationship was like for those eight years. How often they talked and how what what happened. Who knows? Exactly. Because didn't you get the impression that um, which one was the younger one, Martha or Margaret? Uh I go back. I, I don't remember. I mean, I know one, I could see the face of the younger one, but I forget if it's Martha or Margaret. She didn't seem to come. I mean, she seemed to, until he was let out, um, she seemed to, in the later episodes, in the very beginning of the later episodes, kind of question his guilt, I thought. Yeah, I mean... I mean, eight years is a long time. You don't know what happened. I mean, how often do you think they visited him? I don't know. It's it. That's a good question. Uh, we have no idea. And it is, but with especially with those with the two young daughters, they were sitting right behind him throughout the trial, and so you could just right. like see their faces, like not just at the end result, like obviously they were crying, but you got people on the stand talking about like he's trying to hook up with these dudes, and she's just like their eyes are just like, oh my god, like this is really happening right, right now. They're yeah. like, that's tough. Now, David Rudolph, the attorney, pretty much the entire way through, there was a little off and on by the end, but he was helping him right. out, hooked him up with other people. Now, sports fans would be interested in this. David Rudolph also represented Ray Carruth, who played for the Carolina Panthers. He also went to Colorado before that. He's known for conspiring to murder his pregnant girlfriend back in the day. Uh, and I, I was looking this up. Ray Carruth's still in prison. But I think he's eligible to get out in October, which is insane. He should probably not be out of prison. But David Rudolph had him. Uh, Interesting. How crazy, too, was – yeah, so he's – I don't know if he's like a a celebrity lawyer. But those are two very high-profile cases, But you know, Peterson and Ray Carruth. And then it was crazy how – so he didn't want to do it. And then he's like, I I got this other guy, though. He'll help you out. And then right before – you know, the more recent trial, that guy – what do you have, like a stroke or something? A stroke, and a stroke. he couldn't represent him anymore. And then that woman had to step in, and, and she did yep. obviously a good job for him. Uh, let's see. Ron was in Tom Mahar. Those were the two of the other guys. Oh, one thing that I thought was odd. Maybe not, eh, odd's not the right word. Those guys, after a day at, at trial, during like an 03 or whatever, they'd go back and watch Nancy Grace talk about the trial. I'd be like, why would you, why would you want to hear that? Yeah. Like, you know, I... I I wondered that too, and I and I think part of it was they were talking about um, you know how how publicly they they played 
um, sort of to the public and the media in this case. And so I think they were very tuned in or in tune with how they were being covered. Yeah, and, and there was like perception. a fa- there was false information too. Like because we were there, we were in, we got to see all what was going on in court. And then they'd come out and they would make up stuff every once in a while. It'd be like a detail that's completely wrong that they would right. that they would say in there. But I think that watching how um, sort of outsiders like Nancy Grace or people on her show were perceiving the trial would give them a, a, maybe a slight indication of the, how the jury was also interpreting things. Oh, that's a good, yeah. maybe, okay. All right, that makes sense then to me. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. What did you think? What of, played well? What didn't play? You know, what played poorly? With yeah, them, maybe what they, what they need to go, what they need to go back and clear up, or what they need to mm-hmm. emphasize. That makes sense. What did you think of Josh Carton? He was the witness coach who <laughs> had the "I shit a sheet" guy. <laughs> that guy was ridiculous. He was like he was ridiculous. <laughs> he, has, he had like the beard and like the hair, but like what a job! Like that, he's a witness coach. That's his, that's how he makes a living. It's incredible. Right. You know who I'm looking at? Who you've left off the the character list? Who? We're not Is done. We still have a couple more. Yeah, no, but it's not on here. Brad. Oh yeah, your guy Brad. You, well, it's because you just read all his emails. Yeah, well, that's right. But during he was my favorite when he testified. Oh yeah. What did he say? Well, he was like oh. so he like because they asked him so uh, oh, so Frida Black by the way the assistant district attorney she was hilarious she also seemed like from a different time like this was oh one that was not that long ago like i was in high school in oh one that's it's not like forever ago and she has like the makeup she looked like a waiting for guffman character she did and And she kind of and she acted like one right i think the way she characterized some of the homosexual stuff was distasteful oh my god like her face the way she was like she was like these are men she he's he wants to he wants to have relations with men and she was like her face was just like couldn't believe that what was going on in these emails but anyway (laughs) yeah yeah brad was very good he also he wanted like sugarcoat it because frida black was like so what would you do with michael peterson and he's like (laughs) do you do you want me to say what like i would do with michael peterson (laughs) When he when he said, didn't he say, like, "I don't know, Bo Diddley"? I don't yeah, know. Diddley. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a really good line about that. Like, yeah, he was like, it was ridiculous, but it just summed up that whole exchange between <laughs> Freda Black and Brad. That was a, that was one of my favorite parts. Now the worst guy. I mean, we're almost done the podcast. We're almost at an hour, but the the uh, Dwayne Deaver was oh geez, the worst. Just getting to him, the worst guy. And like, I even made a note because I tried. I was I knew we were going to do an episode after like three or four. I'm like, well, this is good enough. This should be an episode. So I started taking a few notes, and all I wrote about, I go. The blood spatter analysis is the bald forensic guy was brutal. Like that's all I he wrote. Was brutal. Like he's awful. Like the way he talks, the way he looked, he looked like almost like Milhouse's dad, but like yes. thinner. You know, like yes. he was just obnoxious, and he's literally what he is the reason why. Maybe both. Uh, I don't even know if he's the reason why he went to jail. I know that's what the defense was saying, but he's definitely the reason why he's out of jail. Right. I, I do think he's the reason why he why he went to jail because. When the when the jurors were asked sort of what solidified um, their decision, a lot of them said Dwayne Deaver's testimony. They did, he, but if he, they took out the Germany and the bisexual stuff, do you think Dwayne Deaver's alone would have gotten him in? Well, maybe. I, I don't. So I don't think you can take out the homosexual stuff altogether. Like I don't think you could because I do think that was if that was their their motive. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that would have to come in. I think it probably wouldn't. Um, it probably would have been narrowed. The scope of what was allowed in would have been would have been narrowed. It wouldn't have been every single piece of porn he ever looked at on the internet. Right, right, right. 
so that would still come in. I don't know if if the the state's forensic analysis person is testifying and telling you that there's no way he could get blood spatter on the inside of his shorts, and that um, specific, like certain things on the wall with the with the um, splatter analysis are true in a way that is not scientifically accurate. Probably. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, so I mean, he was he was a huge part of it. Now, my my other question would be as watching it because there was also the other case, and I I guess I didn't write the guy's name down. The other guy that was put away uh, and then got out, and Dwayne Deaver was on that case as well. Yes. What it what is the point if you're a blood spatter splatter analysis? Why do you need to find a way to convict him? Like, what's what? Shouldn't you just say what the evidence is? Like, why do you yes, care? You shouldn't care so like is he getting paid by somebody like would that that'd be the only logical thing i could think of like why else would he want to make sure like oh this guy's definitely guilty like no just say what happened that's your job like i i didn't get that part i mean don't you think he just fancied himself to be more knowledgeable about criminal stuff and got a little power hungry with yeah. what he could do in a lab and, and kind of got too big for his britches and probably thought, well yeah i i can i know all this Stuff and he and he lied, right? I mean, he said yeah, he'd just, been like, what's his motivation? So though? I don't get it. Yeah, and he had not been. Now that was because hilarious he, when they were going through. It's like you said you were you did like three hundred. It's like you've done four. Or like you said, right. like you've done all this stuff. And then they had all the real experts come up and they're like, "This is what Dwayne Deaver did. Is that normal?" And they're like, "No." And so well, he's and he's he, the worst. And Dr. Henry Henry Lee was considered because he was involved in the OJ trial, w- one of the preeminent um, blood spatter analysis. Mm. scientists in the country. I, I found it so interesting when they polled him, when they did the jury testing with him, because people couldn't understand him. Oh, they yeah. believe him. Yeah, that's messed up. But that's, I mean, I think, not to not to say that that speaks of the entire South, but I feel like that's more likely to happen in the South. Yeah. I, I would. I you would know, and, and they were just like, yeah, we have no idea what he's saying, but he was, he had like, the correct information, but right, he'd written the book. Yeah, Dwayne Deaver has not. I wonder what Dwayne Deaver is up to right now. We need like a where Probably are they a now? Not a whole lot, right? I no. mean, so he was on the forensic files, and he was really. I mean, he they had videoed him. Oh, it was so ridiculous! Oh, it, they had videotaped him going through the crime scene pictures with his gloves and his lab coat on. <laughs> like just to give you sort of a, yeah, an thanks, idea Dwayne. of his personality exactly yeah very helpful Dwayne now Judge right. Orlando Hudson when they when he was very first on screen I was like oh boy like I thought he he came across as like dumber than he ended up being but like the very right. first thing he said and again maybe it's just he's, he, he speaks a little bit slower similar like with Jim Harden but then as it got going I was like okay I, I, I now see how this guy could become a judge before I was like oh we're we're in for a, a long <laughs> trial here right right you know I think he did a a, a fair job was I think fine. he erred yeah. on the side of caution and, and letting the things in and yeah I mean I was just surprised he ordered the exhumation of that one woman's body Oh, that was messed up. Or allowed for that, yeah. That was that that was really messed up. Now the replacement for Jim Harden, there was a couple of replacements. They they've gone through a few DAs down there in Durham. The first one where Candace just is screaming at the judge that she's not fit to be to to run this trial. That was very interesting. That was interesting, but she was also right. That lady, not great. Yeah, no, she wasn't great. I was like, how on earth did she become a district attorney? Votes. And then we went back to it, like a, what, a couple of years later, and she was no longer the district attorney. Right. 
So they they swapped yeah, no, them out. Yeah, no, she she didn't come across as the sharpest tool in the shed. Mm, no, no, not at all. What else are we missing? Anything else here? I mean, I, I maybe go back to Dwayne Deaver. I mean, he was the worst. He was the he was the absolute worst, and you knew it at the time. And it's not like I don't know if I was really rooting one way or the other. I I was I was very curious on what way the it was going to go, and that he was just so sure of himself. And I thought Rudolph did a pretty good job of talking to him then. He obviously right. didn't know he was a complete liar then. Like how how would you know? Like that that guy's supposed to be the expert, so you're you're kind of taking him at his word in a way. But just like we said with Michael Peterson, he's odd. Like with Dwayne Deaver. You just knew something was up with him right away. Right. Well, and just to go back with, with Dwayne Deaver, when they were talking about how all the stuff they were finding out in the later episodes about how when the evidence came in at the lab, there was supposed to be DNA testing. But they, I guess they had foregone a bunch of testing because Dwayne Deaver wanted it sent to him in blood splatter. Right. Like I'll take that, it. I'll take it home. They're like, no, what? What? Exact, right. And so... Why wouldn't there be all these testing? And now I think what would happen is that you would request the evidence, and if you could afford it, which they clearly could, would do your own do your own DNA testing. Yeah, yeah, that makes right? sense. Right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's a lot more um, available now if you have the money to conduct that. To yeah, have your I own mean, this is also even by, by the time the first trial got going, that was 15 years ago. Right. So things have obviously changed a bit, but. I mean, just a just a crazy, crazy story. And like the the story, like initially, if it's just man finds his wife dead at the bottom of the stairs, he says he didn't do it. Maybe he did do it. Like that alone is pretty intriguing. But then when you added all the elements of you know the the hidden affairs and the the <laughs> dead woman at the bottom of the stairs in Germany, like right, all, all that stuff. That's what really made it even more compelling. And I think. Again, we we started the podcast by saying like all of them like when you're comparing it to making a murder, the jinx and this one, they're all pretty good, but this one might be might be the best one. Right. I think I would agree with that. I, I think it gives you the best glimpse. I also think one one of the an interesting thing is to compare this to legal representation that Michael Peterson was able to pay for yes. compared to the representation yep. that um Steve Avery had in making a murder and sort of the in the unfairness, I think, between what you can get if you can pay for it and the defense that you basically can't put on if you can't pay for and it. Yeah, and there's a think, scene. There's a scene between Michael and his brother where they're talking about just that. He's like, "Yeah, he's like the rich get off just because they can afford to do it. It's not like they're like it's not because they are like, oh, that's a rich person. I don't want them in. It's like no, because they get to pay for the best defense attorneys." Right. I mean, all of that stuff. Doctor Lee, yeah. the um, jury consultant, the witness coach. Yeah, what they um, spent? Clo- they spent like close to. I don't think it was a million, but it was up there, it was like seven fifty, maybe. Yeah. They spent a ton, yeah. a ton of money. And I, I wouldn't be. I mean, to, and today it would be well over a million. Oh yeah. I mean, you oh, have right. to, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's how you. I mean, and he put on a solid defense. I, I do think they demonstrated that there was a reasonable doubt, particularly at that trial, of whether or not Michael Peterson had killed her. And he still was convicted. Yeah, I know. And Rudolph was like shook by it too, because he yeah. thought he thought he did enough. He was he was for sure that he did enough, but nope, he uh, he did not. So Michael Peterson is uh, a free man as it stands right now. And I was reading an article. Somebody did an interview with the director. He's a French director that that heard about this case, came over, and like right away got so much access, which to me is what what separates it from the other ones. Um, right, but. 
I guess it was about four months in where, and you probably notice it while you're watching it, the prosecution decided to pull the plug on it. And so, because right, like, at first I'm like, oh my God, we're hearing from Harden, we're hearing from the assistant DA, we're like, we're right in their meetings. Like, what are they going to talk about? We're, we're right there. And so, after about four months, they're like, we don't want to do this anymore. So, they pulled the plug on it. There was, um, then there was like a weird thing between the like lawyer client uh, privileges and right. like if there's a camera crew there. Like, does that void it? And then the yes. prosecution was asking the camera crew for their footage. Exactly. It's, so they would, what they would do is, like, Rudolph had to say that the camera crew and the director were, like, employees of his. Or they, they, had, they were some sort of loophole. And then once they would get the footage, they would immediately send it to France. So, like, they, so the they prosecution even asked. It. They're like, let's see. Like, what, like we're, we're entitled to this. And they, so they found the workarounds. Um, and then also, I guess, early on, the family... Michael Peterson was less willing to have his family on camera, but then that obviously, as a, later on, there was they were in it all the time. But yeah, at first, they were yeah. like the main stars. They were, yeah. yeah. So with attorney-client privilege, it has to be between you and the attorney. It can be pe- conversations with people the inter- the attorney employs, but if you have a third party in there, um, it destroys the privilege. So any conversations, that's why you don't see any um, in-depth conversations between Michael Peterson and his attorney about any sort of of the like really nitty gritty details of the case. Okay, I mean you, you see, still see a good amount, but yeah, a, so, a very, yeah, yeah. There's certain but, times where they're like, all right, let's cool it off. Right. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, I don't know. Uh, and oh, the other thing that the director said too is like he's done with it. Like he he's like this has been a, such a long process and it's been a big part of his life. And you just wondered if there's going to be any follow up, but I don't. I don't think there will, unless unless Michael Peterson commits another crime or a, right. a first crime. Let's I don't or know if confesses he, yeah. or, or confesses or, or whatever else. The last thing, so that's uh, so. Let us know at Dork Podcast and Dork Podcast at Gmail dot com if you guys watched the staircase. What you thought of the staircase? If you have any other uh, lingering questions or comments about it, let, let us know. Before we get out of here, Nicole, have you watched Evil Geniuses on Netflix yet? I have not. That's that's next up on my true crime. It's not as good. I don't think it's as good as The Staircase. It's only four episodes, and so you can get through it obviously a lot quicker. And it to me, it feels more like it could could have been a podcast. Like it's, right. you know, they don't have the courtroom scenes and things like that. But it's a wild story. Like I, I think you'll be intrigued by it anyway. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Anything else you wanna you wanna say, Nicole? You wanna you know, any any special shout outs or anything? No, I think that's it. Just, I mean, maybe watch the Forensic Files because it was funny. Okay, the, uh, good call. I think it's like a novel murder or some. Re- the title is something ridiculous like that. I'll have to check that out. The Michael Peterson Forensic Files. Very good. Yeah. All right, we'll be back next week. I think it's a Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, if I can get to see it. So we will uh, talk to you guys next week.